Hello and welcome back to the Game Pit. This is a slightly different episode in that we're doing a top 10, but Ronan, it's not your normal run-of-the-mill top 10, is it? Eh, it goes from 10 to 1. We're both going to be naming 10 <laughs> games. I wouldn't oversell this one if I were you. I should mention that it's episode 154, and I should, really should have done it seeing as that we just talked about it, Ronan. Well, we always have to remember what we're number off, we're, we're on. off and we're running, right? Hi, everyone. You're very welcome to the Game Pit. <laughs> uh, apparently, 154 episodes of board gaming coverage that we just we mostly forget about and move on. Sean, how are you? I'm fine and dandy, Ronan. How are you? I'm all right. You'll go back to see BBs again. I am. I'm fine and dandy, haven't you? Hello, hello, everybody. Let's <laughs> no, tell it's a really story. annoying when you do that. It's even annoying to edit. I'm not having it. <laughs> this is your idea. To do, us to do top tens, and this is your idea of a top ten. Do you want to tell them what the story is? Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of getting fed up of just doing Cult of the New and all the like, all the top games. So we've gone outside the top five thousand ish, and we've found our top ten games from outside the top five thousand. Running on board game geek or on board game geek. Sorry, yeah, on the ratings on board game geek. So I've got a couple top five thousand games. We've had to go outside. <laughs> I've got a couple that are sneaking inside that top five thousand, Rona. But you, you've got you've got an outrageous cheat in yours. I know that for a fact. And it's my number one. Is it? Ah, oh, <laughs> you scab. So forget about my number one. Listen to my ten to two, and then number one's a bit of a scabby one. But all officially ranked outside the top five thousand. So I'm not as scabby as you are. Scabby. Right. <laughs> Before we go into it, Sean, there may, oh, there may yeah, be some go. people. There might be some people listening who are not as familiar with us as some of the people who've been listening for a long time. And we did something this week, as government recommended, and it came up with some interesting results, didn't it? <laughs> yes. Quite interesting. So the government have recommended that uh, people who maybe their job might be under threat because they've been furloughed or have might have to be furloughed, they've decided that everyone should have a look and see what career paths they could follow if, if the worst happened. They've put out a, hmm, I wouldn't say helpful, but they've put out a guide and to what you might be good at in, in the future, Ronan, haven't they? It's a questionnaire. Yeah. So I've asked you a bunch of multiple choice questions. It's one of those strongly disagree to strongly agree things and you rate yourself and it asks you uh, how likely are you to see something through to the end or do you like working by yourself? You've probably, or yeah, most of you have done them in one form or another. And it recommends you three career paths you could take. So basically everyone's kind of doing it out of interest, I see. I also think that it's very skewed because when you're answering it, you're thinking about yourself and your work setting. So lots of people are getting back answers which are the job that they do anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which happened to us. So Sean and I were cousins. We've lived in each other's pockets for 42 years, had lots of the same interests. We think very similarly up to a point. <laughs> and then we vary wildly. And it, we got, like I said, we, of the three results, two of ours are the same as each other. And then the third one is very illustrative of the difference between us. So it might be helpful when we go in the top 10, <laughs> if you hear this. So the first one we got, Sean, was an obvious one. It's completely linked to what we do. And it was uh, uniform or emergency services, right? And Sean and I, as you probably will know, we work on the railways and we deal with emergency situations and degradation of service and making sure there's a plan in place and being calm and being on the radio and just making sure everything is cool so that one made perfect sense right yep absolutely yes yes number two i'm was... gonna come out so badly out of this aren't i no you're not you're not i'm gonna come out worse number two <laughs> what was number two 
So, yeah, so number two was teaching. We're both managers. I suppose that feeds into that. We both do briefings and what have you at work. So that all falls into that. We both have to stand up in front of uh, work colleagues and deliver things. So I suppose that that all fits in in place. And then I uh, think we're nurturing souls. We like to bring an improvement out of others and and help others shine, no? And And then the third choice happened. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know who's his worst. Do you want to go first or second? I'm, I'm going to get mine out of the way. So here we go. I think this brings out my creative side, and I think it mm. shows my creative side. They must have realised that I like my food as well, because it was cake decorator, Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> it's very specific. It well. is very specific. The, the other option was chef, but that was second to cake decorator. Not cake eater. Well... I, I still were, think it's way better I than I think mine. that's what they were pointing at, really. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did I get prison governor, but Rachel, whose work is tangentially related to prisons, has to visit prison sometimes, said immediately, oh, yeah, you would make a good prison governor. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't have to take that, really. I'm like, what how do you mean? I think you're going to need some time on the old uh, couch with a, with a drink there, mate. I feel like I need it now if I, everyone's identifying me as a prison governor. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there you go. What that tells you about the following picks, I don't know, but I thought it was pretty funny when we told each other the results. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm off to do some cake decorating. You go and correct some ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> Cake's not going to be around for long. Right. <laughs> Let's crack into our top ten after that. I felt the need to share it. I just did. Okay. One thing, Sean, that I noticed, and looking through, it hasn't happened that often, but a lot of my games that I rated highly, outside the top 5,000, thinking about it, it's probably more 11 to 20, but there were family games or games you play with kids because they tend to get fewer ratings on BGG and people just tend to rate them lower for whatever reason, as opposed to, I think, marking them as part of their class, if you like, and saying, as a family game, how good is this? As a kids game, how good is this? It's not the same as Gloomhaven, but rate it for what it is. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think I've got four games that you could class as family games within my list, and I could have had more. So, yeah, they're definitely a game that doesn't get rated as highly. Another thing I noticed, Ronan, when I was doing my list is it's the games that were within the top 5,000. I would, I was absolutely sure there's no way that could be in the top 5,000. And I've got like things that are like Essen the Game, Spiel 13. I was like, oh, that's got to be outside the top. No, that's well within the top 5,000, Ronan. Turns out there's not that many great games. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely not 5,000 because it was a little bit of a scratch round. But my. Top 10, I'm happy with all these games. I think they're all really good, and I think they're all worth playing. Are you happy with the quality all the way through your 10? <laughs> I know you're, you're alluding to, Mr. Rice. Oh, I'm just building um, up to pick on you. No, no, no. no. I don't, I'm, this is a genuine. No, no, the only I, one of Sean's I, I know. I think that, especially, there's one outlier in, in my top 10 that is not a good game. It's barely a game at all. But I have so much fun with my son playing it, and my family we make up little in-games within the game, and we have so much fun, I've put it in at number 10. It could quite easily have gone in at number one for the amount of fun that we've got out of the system. You might as well say it. You might as well crack it. Okay, on. we'll start. I'll start then. My number 10 is Top Trumps. Yes, I know. It's barely a game. It's a guesswork at best, but we have so much fun. We make up songs about... I, I always tend to get 
the silverfish, which is the worst card in the Minecraft top trumps. So, of course, there's a, a song, Daddy's Got the Silverfish, and that rings out <laughs> pretty much every time we play the game because somehow I always get the silverfish. Uh, and things like that. It's just a fun thing. And now with Top Trumps, they're bringing in things like horrible histories. So you're starting to learn things about the, and no, like the dinosaur not. ones. Always, you, you always had facts about the dinosaurs. No, you're not learning anything playing Top Trumps. That is a that is a grasping attempt. At some sort of justification. <laughs> that is rubbish. Well, look, there's one hor- one that um, figures like nasty people throughout history, and it's why they were nasty, how they died. And it, it sort of introduces James to to these people. All right, so what era did he live in? And who, when would he have been around, Daddy? And and what sort of other people were around at that time? So it, it starts the the thought process going. And as I said, we just have a lot of fun. You've given Top Trumps two minutes more than it deserved on this podcast. Yeah, right. get out of here, you gargantuan something. Yeah, you got to finish that right about something. <laughs> Governor, you gargantuan, grumpy misery bag. Oh, alliterative, not alliterative. I don't know what's going on. Shut up. My number 10. Okay, this is now called Ring-A-Ding-Ding. It used to be called Ring-A-Ding, and there's other names for it. It's rated 14,184 on Board Game Geek. It's from 2011. It was originally by Shafir Games, which, as far as I can tell, is an Israeli company, and it was designed by Haim Shafir and Genie Gadish, and it's picked up by Amigo Spiel. And what is Ringle Ding? It is you have a bunch of scrunchies, hairbands of different colours in a huge part in the middle of the table, and you flip a card over, and it shows you an arrangement of those <laughs> hairbands on a hand. Over fingers, covering two fingers, three fingers, uh, different colours, and they have to specifically be on that order on fingers, so one below the other, below the other. So it might go orange, white, pink, but spread across. And whoever can get those hairbands on their hands <laughs> in that arrangement quickest then hits the bell, goes ding, they get the card for a point, and you set a target number of points, and whoever gets their first wins. And wriggle ding, it's ridiculous. It's got those components that are hairbands, but it is an incredible amount of fun, and I love it. Ringle Ding is my number 10 for the top 10 games outside of 5,000 on Board Game Geek. I'm not going to say that anymore. Didn't you guys used to like injure yourself diving for the for the bell and stuff like that in the middle? Oh, uh, we had to make um, split up the the big pile of bands in the middle because you'd be breaking <laughs> fingers. You literally we got four four hands smashing in there to try and get the hitting people out of the way. They were talking about like eSports, not with the kids. The kids are a bit more gentle. <laughs> but you know, after a few beers, you play this towards the end of the night. Yeah, it would get really really funny and really sweaty. I'm really stressing, really like, oh, God, I really want to win this. Just so much sweat coming off my head. But yeah, I, I didn't say what um, the top trumps were, but we, we should really make a note to see what one is the, the furthest one down the list. So I think top trumps is winning quite handily. My top trumps was 19,474 at the time that I researched it. So Ringleding was my lowest. Oh, was it? Oh, top trumps is one then. <laughs> we don't even need to continue that. <laughs> <laughs> apart from I've got one that hasn't even got a rating. It's got right. so few ratings that it's not, it hasn't even got a ranking. So right. I'll tell you that one. That's my number eight. But Sean, your number nine is? My number nine, Ronan, is a game that I know that you have enjoyed in the past. It's Temple Run, the speed sprint card game. And that comes in at a whopping 17,622nd on the ratings and it is a game in which you are have a bunch of cards and they they say play left play right play straight ahead 
and there's a talking centerpiece where you press a button and it, and it will count down the clock and it's all ominous and it will say player one play a left card and you have to play your left card to the left person and it's whoever gets rid of their cards the, the, the quickest and it's very very tense very very exciting and way better than the sum of its parts running yeah better than i thought it could be i got it when my kids were playing the app a lot I remember a few years ago the temple run and i just got it because the theme i thought we'd play it once and it would be a, bit of a crack it was only a few quid it was cheap but it was better and we did play it for a few times probably maybe half dozen ten times something like that and it was it's the soundtrack it's the it, again you're getting stressed i'm like oh. <laughs> and then we had loads of fun with it and then obviously you played it 10 times it was it was done out with but we yeah it is good fun especially if you know like at the time they were well into that app yeah i'm just introducing it to james now so yeah i think we've got a little bit more fun with it before it has to go on its merry way okay i've gone to the almost the opposite end of gaming here my number nine is ranked 5705 and it is level seven invasion it's 2014 game from privateer press and designer was will shunova i didn't write that down very well but it's will shunova <laughs> do you remember they tried to make this level seven universe a game sean and it was right sean key it was all over the place yeah i remember the, was it the first one was just wasn't great not a good game i think that sort of set the tone and a lot of people didn't trust the, the subsequent ones yeah so the first one was uh, you had to escape from a prison i think and it was definitely the worst of the three games that came out in the series and the second one was the minis game co-op against the uh, well, no, one against all and one played the aliens anyway this one is a sort of semi-co-op it really is a co-op a whole world, global scale, whereby the aliens, which are the constant theme of the Level 7 games, have launched a, an all-out invasion onto the world. And each player takes control of a certain sector. So it might be all of Europe or all of Africa or all of South America, wherever it might be. And they have to run their economy and it's all kept up on date on dials and they produce certain amounts of certain things. And as much as you have to defend your own area, because the aliens will start landing in a spot and start spreading out from there, pandemic style so if that happens, let's say, in Lagos and you're running Africa, you have to look after that. But you will be producing more of stuff, particular things, than the other players will. And between you, you have to negotiate with each other and say, well, I really need some of that particular metal to make this, then you're going to need some of my food. So if we do a trade here, I can make this defence. And I'll, we're using it, I'll put a wall there so it stops you getting some of the heat. And you're working together, but trading together, because you do have to look after your own spot. And overall... There's like a, a scientist alien traitor to them who has come down and for whatever reason, he's, he's throughout the three games. He's decided he'll help you build the ultimate weapon that you need to fend off the invasion, but it's actually a lot of work and he's got to get around the world and spend time in certain areas and be safe in order to work in separate labs to build the components for this weapon. Now, it's a long game. It takes up a lot of table space. There's 15 phases for each round. Uh, a lot of them are bookkeeping, but it's a lot to take in. And this semi-cop thing is a little bit funny, but really, if you just play as a full co-op, or a lot of people enjoy it as a solo game, it completely works as that. And now, over the years, it came out in 2014, there's been um, variants put out where you get scenarios or you get different challenges, you can make it harder for yourself. And it's a lot... I can understand why it didn't get mass appeal, but I think it's a lot better than it is rated. And my number nine choice is Level 7 Invasion. If you like a long, thinky co-op, this is definitely one to try and seek out. 
Yeah, I think I was one of the ones that was kind of put off by the the negative reviews of the the first incarnation. You you have you have extolled its virtues to me a few times, Ronan. So it's probably one I would like to try, but uh, as you said, probably need to put a bit of time aside for that one. I think your wheelhouse. Oh, all right, maybe I will try it. Okay, moving on to my number eight. My number eight is Imperialism: Road to Domination from Conrad Perzinia and G three. And it comes in at 6,710. So this, the problem with imperialism, it just looks very boring. Effectively, you are moving through, I think it's the 15th to the 19th century, just trying to uh, take over or influence uh, countries and influence rulers within that uh, time period you're going to plot you're going to conspire against players but it all takes the form of just these tracks on the board there's no real artwork to speak of and it just looks very beige and very boring the game itself is way better than it actually looks it is you are interacting with people you are the, the tracks actually mean something when you when you're pushing up on the tracks you're actually they are your army and you are trying to take over somebody else's territory and what have you. So it, yeah, it just didn't, it suffered very, very much so from its looks, Ronan. Is this one that we kept sniffing at at Essen one year? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was in that big G3 booth that they used to have right in the middle of hall one or, or no, hall three. I think it was. Yeah. And, we were Omen and Arin, weren't we? Yeah. And, and it was just after an, another game that was, uh, is in my top 10 actually. Uh, which I won't. I was about to mention it, but I won't mention it. And that was well, a, a hit, <laughs> and that was a hit for both of us. The the, the other one I'm going to mention, and um, yeah, we were kind of G3 fanboys at the time. We thought, oh, should we give it a go? And we never got to sit down and play it. Well, that's because it looked terrible. It, it did look it. terrible, to be fair. It was just I remember that as like beige brown. Wasn't there some sort of tech tree or something in the track yeah, well, yeah. basically on. it was just the whole board was just loads of loads of tracks that you would go up and down on yeah and a, few, a space for a few cards down the bottom and that was a bit well i know why it isn't in the top five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> uh main reason why it should be sean i think it, as, as i said ronan it's it's very interactive you are sort of very you're very mindful of what tracks you're going up and what tracks everybody else is going up and in a funny way it does make thematic sense when if you if you get past the poor artwork and what have you i just felt it was it was a very solid euro game ronan fair enough my number eight is Nact the magician shatten or shadow magic although i'm not sure there ever was actually you, an English you just version. swear at me Knack the Magician Shatton, be quiet. It's from Haber. It is unranked. It has so few ratings. It's from 2012, and it was designed by Kai Hafferkamp. And what is it? It is very much a kid's game. It comes with a bunch of wooden figures and a torch and a screen and a rotating thingy. Uh, a rotator. Okay. And from the bunch of wooden figures, you take certain ones out, and you play with a set, and then each round, one gets removed... And then the others will get put around the outside of the rotator and the torch gets turned on. And as you move it around, it looks like that these figures, they, they just go past as a silhouette, past this screen that all the other players are the other side of when they're looking at. And they are trying to work out which one of the silhouettes is missing. And some are more obvious than others. Some are very close to each other. And it's very much aimed at younger kids. 
But I'll tell you how much of a hit it was. I took it home in 2012 from Essen and played it with my kids, played it with my nieces. They still talk about it. At Halloween every year, with my 17 and 14-year-old, we have to get out this four-year-old's game and play it. Because otherwise it's not Halloween if we haven't played Shadow Magic. So it definitely found a place in our heart. If you have younger kids, especially, like I say, coming up end of October, it's not spooky really, but it's just got that theatre that Sean talks about with the shadows dancing past and they kind of loom larger and get smaller as they go around the screen. And it's fun. It's just as a sort of an experience for younger kids, it's great. So my number eight is the unranked Shadow Magic or Nact the Magic. My lucky seven, Ronan, is a game called Omino's. Coming from Yay Games, just outside the top 5,000. It's 5,333. And what Omino's is, is a, a dice placement game. So you're going to roll the dice, you're going to place them on the board. And what you're trying to do is form groups of these sort of Egyptian symbols. as scarabs and, and asps and stuff like that. And... What other people are trying to do is trying to interrupt that. And the dice still have different powers when they when you place them down. And it's, it's a very, very interactive game because every time someone places a die, then it affects what you're trying to do in, in your scoring and your your thought pattern. And it can be very a mean game, but all in all, a very fun game, Roland, that we, we really enjoyed when it first came out. Yeah, we had to get talked into it. We were, I wasn't sure about the look of it. It's one of those like, the games where you get hundreds of them where they've got a simple idea on a normal mechanism, may it be dominoes or dice or tarlane or cards, and you get told, this is a twist, this is a twist. You're like, okay. But eventually we got talked into playing this, and it was a twist, and it was a lot of fun. And I ended up taking that copy around for about three months and playing it with lots of different people, and the vast majority were converted into being fans of Omino's. Is That is a good choice, Sean. Yeah, and I think when it first came out, I think it had that almost had that sort of prototype quality to it because Yay Games aren't a massive company, but he subsequently did the the sort of deluxe version in a tin. Everything looked a lot nicer, and he's still selling it quite readily at, at conventions. We we even saw it when we went to Aircon this year, and people were going up and buying copies of it. So I think it's a, it's definitely been a good seller for Yay Games, and it was a very good game for us. Lovely, my number seven. Not so long ago, we reviewed Clinique by Album Viard. Yes, we did. And I said it was clearly a building upon his previous designs. Mm-hmm. Um, one before Clinique was Town Centre, where you had to build up cubes on top of each other and their vertical and horizontal adjacency yeah. affected what they did and you had to give power to, to the toilet towers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Before that, in 2012... The first game that had this idea of laying things down and the adjacency matters and the six different types of, in this case it was zoning, was in Card City. And there was a funny kind of drafting thing where you were drafting on hidden information whereby a player drew cards and then offered them out to you but you could see one or two of the cards that were face up but not all of them. And then you choose what to keep and then you might get stuck having to put things in your city because it wouldn't fit into what you were trying to do and you, you had to make some money with, with like commercial zone or residential zone scored your points and there are six different zones basically did different things. So Card City, it's, it's kind of interesting to have played all these games and to see that there's very much strong themes that run through what he's designed and he's making them more complicated and into bigger games. And not the same game in any way, but just that the theme runs through it. And no, I don't just mean the theme as in, God, that was that was poor usual. <laughs> I don't mean as in the theme as in it's a city building. I mean themes of design, streams of design, if you like. And Sean... 
Card City is number 6,304 in the rankings, but the best thing about it is the name of the artist. Go on, what's the name of the artist, Ronan? Dufanny. <laughs> D-A-Dash-Fanny. <laughs> I mean... That's going to mean different things to Amer- our American and our English listeners. So. I think everyone knows what the difference is now. I don't think, it's not 1982. We don't have to explain stuff. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Card City, designer album for Yard, artist Dufanny. <laughs> I think to this day, I, I've only really tried the clinic. I got. I've, we talked about the pizza box version, um, and I've got obviously the new version. I haven't tried tramways. I didn't try Card City or... Or the other one is with the city building one. Town centre. Your town centre. So, yeah, maybe I should have a little sniff at these other games, given that I really do enjoy a Clinique. I think you should play them from the start. Like the, I think now you've played Clinique, you go back to the other ones and you'll be expecting too much. Right. This was a real simple game card. So oh, okay. There wasn't that much to it. But uh, Tramways is excellent. That's my favourite of the four, for sure. Right, my number six is Speed Colours. So definitely a family weight game from Erwan Morin and Lifestyle Board Games, and it's coming in at 7,236. I think it's just the the reach of the company is the the reason this one hasn't gone up the rankings uh, a little bit more. It's a really fun game for younger children. Literally does what it says in the tin. You're you're racing to colour in things. You're you're trying to memorise the colours from the back of a card, then you're flipping it over, colouring them as fast as you can. Every round, uh, the person who's last in last place gets to secretly change two of the tops of the pen, so you don't know what you're getting. So, And it's just a lot of fun. My, my son very recently, unprompted by this, I didn't mention this at all to him, he actually asked to play it again, and we had fun playing it. So Speed Colours is my number six, Ronan. He holds the record for the most strangely successful pit stop we've ever filmed. It really does, yeah. <laughs> Should have been like a 24 and done, but it went up way above 1,000. So hmm. It's above 2,000 now. Is it above 2,000? Wow. <laughs> Sean's sitting colouring in. <laughs> and this one, I go to do yellow. <laughs> yeah, I never played it. Uh, you know, sure, it's colouring in game. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you misery. Okay, my number six is... Well, it says it's a 2017 release, but it wasn't really. It was kickstarted in 2017. It actually came out in 2019. It's called Defence Grid. It is ranked number 6,740. It is by Anthony Hanses, and the publisher is Forged by Geeks, and there's a story there. You like find that this is the only game they've done, because Forged by Geeks is Anthony Hanses, and he had this idea because Defence Grid was a computer game, a tower defence computer game that was quite successful but quite a long time ago, I'd say 10 or 15 years ago even. Uh, it was sci-fi themed, and you weren't really anyone. You were just building towers and these aliens were attacking. And he loved the game, and he likes board games. He decided that he had this great idea for it, and he did have a great idea for the board game. And he kick-started it, and then he worked out, like so many before him and after him, that just because I've got a good idea for a game doesn't mean I can actually successfully run a Kickstarter and he had certainly made promises that he was then unable to fulfill, including on certain types of components and things like that that he just couldn't get made. It ended up costing him personally money. It took a long time for Kickstarter to come. Now, I understand people get frustrated with that. It doesn't. I can't say it will never bother me, but it doesn't really bother me how long it takes for a Kickstarter to come in the end of the day. And I never particularly look at what is promised to be in there because, after all, that is just a suggestion. It's not what you're going to get. 
Having said that, this is a cooperative game which works from one to four players. You get your own sort of general which gives you a starting deck and then there are, you build up resources each round and you're going to decide between you what towers you want to build and where you want to build them. The towers have got different ranges and different effects and then the aliens are going to start coming in waves and there's different types of aliens and there's a huge scenario book and you actually play uh, out on modular tiles and it tells you to set up the map and it tells you what waves are coming and there's some randomness within there and as the waves come they're trying to get to a central area and out again and depending upon how the map's set up that can be easier or harder for them and you're just looking to play a tower defense game build your towers upgrade sell them build new ones for to whatever the threat might be and it is the closest i have played in board game form to a classic tower defense computer game i really like it i played defense grid itself quite a lot when it first came out so i was leaning towards liking it anyway but this is going to be really hard to get hold of i think anthony's been burned and the whole publishing idea but number 6740 and my sixth game is defense grid you like yourself a, a tower defense game don't you i do like myself a tower defense game i'm sniffing there's another one based on computer game kingdom rush monsters Sniffing, just maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, wasn't there um, some component issues and what have you with this one, if, if I remember rightly? I don't know, because like I said, I don't pay attention to what they say I'm going to get. I think there was something about you promised fancy metal towers or something, but I don't care. It's all right. I've got a perfectly workable game. It's a bit fiddly here and there, mm. but um, not that bad at all. I, I no, really like I've, it. I've seen your eyes light up talking to me about this one, Ronan, so uh, I'm... I'm with you. I, I hope you enjoy it because I'm not a big tower defense fan. It'll have to be a very, very good game for me to me to want to play it. But you know, I'm, I'm happy for you. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> That's why you're a great cake decorator. <laughs> there you go. So my number five is a game called Palmyra from Burned Eisenstein Iron Games and coming in at six thousand three hundred and eighty-four. It's set in the Roman province of Palmyra and it's a tile layer and you're doing very similar things to other tile layers where you're matching type to type and landscape to landscape, etc. But what this one, it has a, a spatial element to it in that you're moving your sort of tax collector around and it, it really matters what you put together and what buildings you put on the tiles together so that you can collect the most amount of money possible and people can try and sort of fence you off and things like that. A very tactical tile laying game run and when it first came out we got loads of plays out of this. Not so much these days, but still a game that I I think is a, a very strong game. Yeah, it's the dual economy, isn't it? Because your tax collector's making you the money, but he's mm. not actually scoring you the points. It's mm. your other dude that you say around is gonna score you points, but you have to work them in tandem together. And there's some isn't there some adjacency thing whereby you can't move into certain areas. You have to be careful not to get boxed in and stuff. That's right, yeah. Yeah, vaguely coming back to me yeah really enjoyable this is another Essen one which was sort of those games that say 60 minutes but look like they might be decent tend to get played at Essen because you've got that amount of time you think this won't be too hard to learn and I think three nights in a row that Essen we played it we went down to different hotels met friends and stuff and it was a hit for a good few months after that Ooh. I think I've just sold it yes I saw it you did <laughs> I did sell it I did see it because I was like oh I've got that I might keep my copy now that you've sold yours <laughs> it's a good game and it's not one certainly that I wanted to sell it's just a case of making some room in the house and that is a very strong choice Sean that's going to have to squeeze just outside my choices okay fair enough yeah so there Palmyra is my number five Ronan yours I do like a tower defence game Sean <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Go on. So I thought I might as well chuck another one in. <laughs> this one is called Dragon Valley. There's a few games called Dragon Valley. This one's from 2012, designed by C.W. Carstens from Diamond K Games, another publisher we will never see again. It's ranked 5,721. It is fantasy themed in which there's a central valley from which there is erupting problems and there's orcs and all sorts coming out of there they will stroll through into your kingdom in your kingdom you can build up your castle you can build up your walls you can build out up outer defenses and you can build up units who can move around and your units as well as fending off the waves of attacks that come towards you can also march forward into the valley to score huge points by attacking the stronghold so as well as it being tower defense once you get powerful enough you have got the ability to be more dynamic on the board and it's got a fantastic mechanism that sean always says that i love and i do love it's got ice split you choose which works best at three player it's two to four players but there's a bunch of cards come out and whoever's turn it is splits them into sets and then obviously the next player gets first choice, second choice and you're left with whatever is left. When you play four player, you have to, you split into two pairs and the pairs have to be very aware of what everyone else is doing because you can hand stuff away if you haven't been following what's going on in the other pair. It works much better at three. It's fantastic at three. I think it's criminally underrated. Again, I don't know what happened with the Kickstarter, but I'm not sure they ever brought out another game. But Dragon Valley, the 2012 version, is a hidden gem. And I saw it for sale really in the UK, and you never see it for sale. And it was on a discount as well. And I thought, someone should get hold of those copies. It's a good game. I split you choose. I actually saw the, saw the beauty of it recently. I think it I was trying to remember the game. I think it was Medieval Academy. And if you play it two players, you play, you basically do an I split you choose uh, variant. And I thought it was really enjoyable, really interesting, completely changed the the initial sort of setup of the game. So, yeah, I'm 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 getting converted right into that. As for Dragon Valley, I have watched you playing this and I think this has has more than your normal tower defense games out there and it was one that i actually wanted to play at the time and i remember you 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 were playing it back to back and i could never get it in in the games that you were playing and i never actually managed it so definitely one i do want to try and i managed not to make that look deliberate as well i know well i know you didn't really because you were laughing so (laughs) moving on to my number four and it's the other g3 game that i was alluding to earlier ronan when I was talking about Imperialism Road to Domination, and it's Seven Days of Westerplatter. Now, this one is one of my cheaty cheats. It's just inside the top 5,000. Uh, when I did my research, it was 4,828. You set boy. the rules. <laughs> uh, designed by Lucas Wozniak, and as I said, uh, coming from G3. Ronan... It was Polish regiments defending against the German army and they managed to hold out for seven days, which allowed other people to sort of come and reinforce them or do something. Um, and the game is based on those seven days where these guys bravely held out against the sort of the, the might of the German army. And it's you're collecting resources, you're building up your walls, you're defending against aerial attacks, there's bombardments coming in and you're just constantly just trying to, almost like a tower defence game, I suppose, trying to just repel those German forces very thematic very tense game and i i really enjoyed my plays of this one man and you picked it up i don't think it's still in your collection it might be it might be might be <laughs> who I knows know. what's in your collection these days <laughs> i mean i've had to sort out it doesn't mean i've seen everything i don't think it has and i think the only reason is that i did play it a lot uh, well over a dozen times and it got to the point where not that the game was flagging for me but that 
I w- had played it so much that I never f- had other people play with it that played it as much as me. Mm-hmm. So either I was being an overbearing goon <laughs> or I was sitting there watching them sort of make the mistakes that, you know, they're going to make. And I'm, I was like, okay, that's cool. But there's other games I want to play now. So I think I moved it on. But it was really good. It wasn't fully polished. And I think the theme actually helped me enjoy it as well. The fact it was slightly different. The fact that things could start going really tumbling into going wrong. It would be quite hard to pull it back again. I liked all of that. And I liked the artwork and everything. It was really well presented. So another good choice, Sean. Thank you very much. I've never been so praised in, in any episode ever. And you just had to make up a top 10 rule and break it for me. And to break it. Go, <laughs> <laughs> cool, what's your number four? Mine's another co-op, another co-op in a row. <laughs> and almost a tower defense, but not quite. It's 2014's Meteor, designed by Mike Young, published by Mayday. It is a real-time cooperative game in which meteors of different types and strengths are moving down columns on the... Uh, there's no board. They're moving down this imaginary column to hit the city underneath them, the world. And as a group, you all have cards, and there'll be recipes and there'll be components, and you're looking to build these rockets to intercept the particular meteors, but particular meteors are only vulnerable to certain rockets, and you have to work together, you have to have an idea of what's in everyone's hands, because once you start a rocket until it's built, you can't get rid of it, and there's only a certain points during the game that you can actually uh, pull up more cards, so it's a very limited resource, you can't just put down any old recipe, because that's not going to help if you can't get it built between you. So there's a lot of communication, it's quite frantic, it's quite hard it's quite funny it's a real test of a group's uh, communication and i really love those sorts of games and i really really like meteor rated outside the top six thousand six thousand fifteen unbelievable really good game it really is a good game it was one of those ones that when we got this one and um we were, we were reviewing it and you said no you have to play it you have to play it oh i really don't want to and I did, and it was very, very good. It doesn't last long. It's only like five minutes, isn't it, or something like that? How about 15, I'd say, roughly. 15, okay, right. But, yeah, really, really strong game. I don't know quite why this didn't catch on. Maybe maybe it was too quick for people or something. I don't know. It but... might be the cartoony artwork. Mm, maybe, maybe. Made it seem a bit like zany and crazy and for kids when it's a bit... It's not really a kid's game, is it? It's quite hard. Yeah, and I think Mayday were only sort of just cutting into the market in the game side of things at that stage, so... Maybe that helped, didn't help. But yeah, really good game, Jared Ryan. Strong choice. My number three, so top three. Another family game. It's Tumble Tree or Bawab or Bawabab or something like that. Uh, oh, from Phil Bab. Phil Bab. It's from uh, Josep M. Alouv and from Blue Orange Games. Coming in at 6,034. A really simple game where the the tin that the game comes in starts off as as the tree. It's got a wide top to it, so, and you're placing cards as you get them. You're drawing your cards. You can draw one, two, or three cards, put them on there, and each card has a different rule to it. You either have to hang it off the edge. You Some of them you have to throw. Some of them you have to place with your eyes closed. If there's bees on there, if anything touches bees, you have to take it off. And basically, whatever cards fall off the tree, you have to keep them, and whoever's got the most cards left at the end of the game in their, in their pile... Is the uh, is the loser and the person with the least is the winner. So very simple, but a lot of fun. My my son rolls on the floor when I when I have one of my clunky throws and knock everything, including the table, over. It's one of those games that you hear a lot of people praising. 
as a good family game. It came out, I remember a coiled spring sort of showing it to us quickly. Um, it came out just a bit too late for my kids, really, so I never really sniffed at it, but it's certainly got lots of praise, as Phil Bab. There's Phil Bab. Yeah, Phil Bab's got a lot of praise, and Tumbletree has as well. But I actually honestly think, just, just to close off, right, I actually think that I, I don't think it'd be a family favourite, but I don't think you you and your family, as they are now, getting older, that I think you still have a bit of fun playing this. I think it'd be quite funny just mocking each other. Okay. We do like to abuse each other. <laughs> it's not a safe place. So, you're number three after Phil Bab. Go on. My number three, we have banged on about several times in the last 12 months, so I'm going to be very, very brief. Castello Mathoni, 2019 game. It's ranked 7,810 currently from Leo Colavini and Mandu Games. It's a reworking of Masons, which is a shock to me and Sean because we hated <laughs> Masons. But love Castello Mathoni. You are Venetian merchants at an island, and... It, it's an area control game of sorts, but you're constantly buying areas backwards and forwards from each other through card play. And that financial aspect is very, very strong and drives it, which brings it that sort of hint of theme that really ties it together for me. It was in my top 10 for last year. It's my number three in this list. And I really, really enjoy it to this day. Castello Mathoni. I think it's one that can stick around and it's only this low because it has not caught on at all. Maybe it's the sort of late 90s style plasticky components, which I love it or hate it. I quite like them. They're effective. Sean, you like it as well. I know you do. I do like it, and I completely forgot about it. It didn't come up in my research at all. It may well have made my list. Yeah, it's a really strangely fun game, because you think you start off thinking, I, I don't know how this is all going to pull together. But it does, and it manages it. And here's, here's some sobering, sobering thought. What, what did you say uh, Castello Mathoni was? 7,810. Gauntlet of Fools, 4,784. That is one of the worst games. <laughs> we have to say it again. <laughs> wow. There you go. Really? Wow. <laughs> There's not 5,000 good games, Sean. That's what I can tell you. <laughs> Castello Mathoni. It pulls together like the Claire Morris tug of war team. Surely does. Okay, my number two. I know Ronan's on board with this. It may even feature in his list later. Because it is Dice Fishing Roll and Catch from Satoru Nakamura and March Hair Game Stroke Homo Sapiens Lab. It comes in, it's one of my cheeky ones, so it might not feature in Ronan's actually, if he's if he's adhered to the rules. It's 4,000. I've adhered to the rules. Okay, so it won't be on your list. It was when, at time of research, it was 4,968. I'm so disappointed. Still, still worse than Gauntlet of Food. No, 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 no. It's now ranked 5,009. Oh, has it gone down? Oh, okay, okay. I'll claim Got that. It. <laughs> I wish I'd never looked. Uh, we, we only played this the other day, Ronan. It's still going on. It's a game where you, you, you're rolling dice, it, the card goes in the middle, and it gives you the, the stipulation for, for what you're trying to achieve, whether it's 17, but you can't roll any doubles, or 13, but you must roll a four. And you've got a bunch of dice behind your screen. You choose how many you use. You have two two dice that are modifier dice. Um, they can change the number or give you re-rolls, etc. And you're kind of gambling against each other. So the person with the lowest amount of dice in their hand will roll first, try and achieve it, then the next and so on. Really a lot of fun, really clever game and a game that we regularly in this household bring out. And as, as I mentioned, we brought out your house recently, Ronan. 
So at the time of selecting, if it had been outside the top 5,000, it would have been on my list, but it wasn't. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Second point to make is I always find it to be a real test of integrity, intelligence, looks, and truly who's the better man slash woman. No, 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 no. You're, getting, you're getting confused with Batman Love Letter. No, no, no. I, can't <laughs> I think really you're getting confused with Batman Love Letter there, you mate. jammy, scabby bastard. <laughs> I took your part in dice fishing and you know it. You jabby scabby bastard in dice fishing. <laughs> right. My number two is a ridiculous game. It's number 8,721. I don't know why. It should be in the top 100. It's from 2009 from Repos Games. It's not like it's from a small publisher, but they were tiny at the time. It's You Robot from Alan Rivelay. Oh, in I remember you talking about this, yeah. Yeah, you kind of really, it's in pairs, right? And you can play with four, four's not really enough. You need six or eight people. And in the pair, you've got one scientist and one robot. And the scientist has got a set of three cards that have got two different instructions either side. And they're arrows and they're the, like the face or the body. And just by pointing at these cards and using them and wigging them around and pointing them to the ceiling and down... They are trying to get their robot with no other communication into a particular pose. Now, the pose has been looked at by all the scientists and all the pairs are doing it at the same time. So they agree on a pose and it can have winked eyes and pointing fingers and lying on the floor and standing on a chair and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. And whichever pair gets the robot to be in the exact pose that's been agreed on from this and there's a big old deck of cards of poses is going to win that point and whoever wins most points everyone gets the chances to do it i'll play however you like it's not really about scoring points it's about making your friends roll around on the floor or stand on chairs or look ridiculous or pull one leg up and, and trying to communicate without being able to talk and just using these pointing your fingers and, and using arrows and twisties and 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 pointing at your knee and up and no, no, up this knee wrote that without saying anything and it's really really funny i remember memorable games of it at london and board where people are trying to like finish off four hour long euros and we're there clearing tables out the way to play you robot probably probably not the politest thing i've ever done but it was really 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 funny i think you robot is brilliant it is gagging for a reprint and a wider audience and it is very very funny so it's only a tiny little box if you see you robot anywhere i want to add it onto an order i recommend it if you have a sort of group that doesn't mind standing up posing messing around but within like limits you don't have to be creative at all you're just following what's on the card very 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 good game it always sounded like a good. I never managed to to actually play it myself, but it always sounded like a lot of fun. Um, the times I did see it played at uh, uh, London on board or LobsterCon and stuff like that, everyone was having fun. So yeah, for a game in which you can't speak, it gets really, really, really loud. <laughs> like pointing and laughing and just what are you doing? Sort of and that's that's why we got into the hobby for is just to have fun and have a laugh and yeah, so games like that absolutely. Why why not? You robot is the crack in a team. <laughs> My number one is Warquest. I've banged on about Warquest in the past. Designed by Glenn Drover, coming from Mr. B Games and L4 Studios. It's a whopping fifteen thousand four hundred and thirty-six. Yes. There's broken elements to this game. I know it. But it just it, it sings to the child in me. My son, it's currently his favourite game in the world. We have an absolute blast playing it. So what you're doing is you're you're creating your own armies and you're recruiting them as you go along and you're sort of bringing trolls and minotaurs and orcs and elves and you're making this sort of bandwagon of, of troops and you're doing either quests 
or you're attacking the other players and having big wars and skirmishes and what have you. All the things I wanted as a child brought to a box. Some of the usability is is poor. The map is very hard to decipher what what constitutes like a an area from another area and things like that. It can go a bit long, but you can, you can tailor that to yourself anyway. It's one of my favourite games. It's not just one of my favourite games in this list. It's one of my favourite games anyway. And I always enjoy a bit of WarQuest, Ronan. I like WarQuest. It is as much interpretive art as it is board game. <laughs> Make the rules up as you go along. It's fine. I mean... There's something that says rule book on the front of there, but it's not really a rule book, is it? It's just like a list of some words that are like, uh, okay, I guess we should do this. You and me played it, and we basically had to have some diplomacy for every rule in the game, which was fine. Yeah. Because in this sort of a game, that doesn't matter. How you play it that best suits your group is what counts. And it's got loads of special powers. It's got ridiculous rules. It's got the ability for complete turnaround victories. You just have to accept that going in, and that it's going to be three hours of lunacy. <laughs> but with that epic feel of you are putting together a war band and doing quests and f- creating your own story, basically. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. That's exactly it's, it. It's not a great game. It is a very fun experience if you make it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go in and be willing to sort of take on this game because if you follow this by the rules and everything you, you just you, you really sort of being... well, well you can't follow it by the rules <laughs> no, they actually did bring that. in some sort of uh rudimentary sort of second phase rules and it makes the setup a lot quicker and and it just changes things and makes it a bit simpler for you to do but it's still the map is still appalling you'd almost want to design your own map and just paste it over this because you just can't tell what's at what area you're going to and from but yeah what quest uh, it's just fun in a box for for myself and my son uh, Nat is not a big fan of it. She'll play it under duress, but uh, because it's very fighty, and my son just loves to pile in and, and knock knock the the wind out of me as quickly as he can. So she has to sit there and watch us fight. So, but hey, hey ho, horses are courses, and I thoroughly enjoy WarQuest. Okay, you're going to shout at me for my number one. Quite possibly. Go on. It's number eight thousand eight hundred forty-seven. Right. The reason is now I've played this. I've played a full version of it, and I've played it several times, but it's not out yet. But it has been kickstarted, and that's the reason it's so low. Once it does come out, I'm pretty confident it's going to be soaring up, and not just the top 5,000, easily top 1,000, and onwards and upwards from there. It used to be called Time of Legends Destinies, but we can't say that anymore. So it's now just called Destinies. Designed by Michal Grabiowski and Philip Malinsky from Lucky Duck Games, it is the fantasy story role-playing game which is app-driven, in which you find yourself in a situation, you're given an overall story of what's going on and given some sort of an idea of what you're trying to do. Each individual character, as well as having their own sort of abilities, has their own path they have to follow, their own destiny, in order to end the scenario and be the winner, if you like. It is competitive, it's not co-op, unusually sort of, for these things. Not only then are people following their own paths within the same story and developing things and changing the situation so that if I go somewhere and I interact with a gypsy caravan, when the next person comes along, that gypsy caravan is going to be different and the app allows that to happen. But also the whole world is dynamic and things are going to happen. On day three, that will happen, but not if you've killed that person. So on day four, that might happen. And if I do this here, then there's going to be a reaction from the villagers the next day because they found out something's gone on. And... It's the way the whole world lives and breathes 
the fact that it brings in it, it's sort of real world but it brings in those elements of the occult and of religion and angels and demons but but makes it all kind of realistic it's just brilliant I just yeah we, we got to have a look at and to film a pit stop first scenario with everything you need to play that and I played it again and again and again and honestly really enjoyed it it's not just that I got given we when I was doing the pit stops which I haven't really done for months now we were honestly getting sent a fair old number of games every year I trust me I don't read them all and tell them they're all great and, and blow smoke up anywhere this Destiny's is a really good game and I backed it with my own money on the Kickstarter because I just really believed and I had so much fun with that first scenario so my number one is Destiny's it's 8,847 but it's not going to be for long so yeah it's a fantastic game I, I too played it I too enjoyed it and I backed it. I probably was one of the people that was responsible for it being 8,000 given that I probably gave it a ranking or at least um, marked that I'd played it, which all help, helps towards the rankings. Great game. Going to be a fantastic game when it comes out. A lot of time for the publishers. I think they do produce very, very polished products. That being said... You've not only broken the rules, you've obliterated them, haven't you, Ron? Yeah, is that what the, it is a game that is ranked outside 5,000 board game geek? <laughs> a prototype of it is, is ranked by people, are reviewers who have just said, I've played it. I'm having a look now. There's 51 ratings on there. They can't all be reviewers. Of course they are. I think it's people who have played it at cons and stuff like that, mate. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah, I suppose, if they're willing it yeah, out. so in your face, fully in your face. I followed the rules. You didn't. What can I say? I win. <laughs> You've ruined Christmas. <laughs> Always. Right. Hopefully, that has given you 20 fun games from all sorts of different genres, which people don't talk about very often. And if you see them now on a shelf, or one of your mates has got one, or you're in a games cafe eventually, and you see it, it might spark your memory and go, oh, ominous. Sean said something about that. I want to give it a go. Oh, Palmyra. Let's blow the sand off that bad boy. Or Destinies. I'll pl- no, I won't play that because I'm going to have to wait until it comes oh, out. like that. Oh, Dice Fishing. Oh, no, it smells like betrayal and breaking the rules. <laughs> mm, maybe that. <laughs> We've been talk- we talked about Kickstarter there. What, have you been sniffing at anything lately? I was going to give you very quickly new arrivals. Have you got any new arrivals? Have I got any new arrivals? I've got one that, one that we both got, which is Alma Mater or Alma Mater. I think you said that last time, didn't we? Did we? Yeah, I don't think we did. Okay, I don't know. I've, I I've certainly didn't have a long time since you recorded that episode. I played it. Oh, no, I think you talked we were going to play it. I, I, I then played it and bought it, so probably given a bit Well, we're going to review it there. next time, so let's not go any further there. Yeah, yeah. It may or may not be any good. I got for Natalie One Small Step, the, oh, about yeah. the space race uh, um, between the USSR and America from Academy Games. I've liked some of their products in the past, so... Interesting to give that a go, and I think that's it for me, Ronan. It's very, very sparse. I'm, I'm, I'm barassic at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got something coming from World Game Guru tomorrow, but I've forgotten what it is, so I can't include that. But it's because you're rolling in money. You got game arriving every day. 
well, I did sell like four, 300 games. <laughs> so there was a little bit of spare going. I have to admit to that. But actually, I have been buying very little. The only things I can say from the last update that I got are um, the latest expansion for Arkham Horror LCG. It's one of the sort of, they call them the deluxe expansion. It starts off a new campaign. So I was able to get that. And there's a new tiny Marvel Legendary expansion, which I got because I don't have enough Marvel Legendary. Ooh, ooh. Why, why are you talking about that? <laughs> are you going to get Barkham Horror? No. <laughs> so. Okay, should we move on from that? <laughs> Good God. Uh, Kickstarter, I have admittedly ploughed some of the money from my game sales back into Kickstarter, so we'll kick off with some of these. Circle the Wagons, I reviewed it a few episodes ago. Yes, you did. A little two-player game, Very 18 game. cards, really enjoyed it. Uh, when I mentioned it to anyone, they said, oh, have you played Sprawlopolis? No, no, but Circle of Wagons was fun. Yeah, yeah. Have you played Sprawlopolis? No, no, I enjoyed Circle of Wagons. That's Sprawlopolis. Okay. So Agropolis was on Kickstarter, which is a follow-up to Sprawlopolis, and you can get Sprawlopolis as part of the same pledge. So I bowled into that, Sean, and I have pledged for both of those. Yeah, I just saw a recent review randomly of uh, Tom Vassar talking about Sprawlopolis, and he rates it as one of his favourite games of all time. He absolutely adores okay. it. Cancelling my pledge. Yeah. <laughs> Write that one off. Okay. Um, seventh Continent. Yes. I have loads of it. Yes, you do. I've played it a fair few times. Oh, we, that is another one. Speaking about Destinies, that was one where no one knew what it was and they gave us that little Hessian sack of it, remember? That's right, yeah. We played that a couple of times and hence we realised it was going to be a fantastic game. Yeah, well, I taught loads of people that from that little Hessian sack. I gave it away in the end because I was having to teach too many people. <laughs> it was just the first island, but it was got really, yeah. My... Anyway, I bought loads of Seventh Continent. I've played it a fair few times. I'm terrible at it. I got the up, What Goes Up expansion. I played a couple of times with that. It brings in like plants and stuff that grow around the place and what have you. It's all cool. Obviously, it brings in other areas in the clouds. And Seventh Citadel has just been kickstarted. It's not going to come out for a long old time, but. I love Seventh Continent, so this was a no-brainer. I back Seventh Citadel, mate. Yeah, Seventh Citadel. I had a long sniff at it, and I thought, you know what? I really haven't done any sort of justice to Seventh Continent yet. I've only just sort of cracked the box recently and played through that first scenario. So I had uh, memories of playing it through from the Hessian sack. Uh, so yeah, I didn't. It couldn't justify the purchase, Ronan, but. Uh, if I get some more Seventh Continent, I shall be definitely sniffing at your copy. Lovely. Something we both sniffed at. Did, did we both backed it now? Next one? I think we have, Ronan. Okay. Did you back it with the build, Ridiculous Buildings? Or of course I did. You, you, yeah. you know that. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> Frostpunk. Yeah. It's the This War of Mine people. It's about, as far as I know, running a town in a sort of very cold place. Yeah. I don't know if there's been some sort of, uh, again, setting some sort of war setting where uh, resources and everything, including heat, are just so scarce. And it's it's going to be one of those. It's going to be bleak, Cronin, but it's designed by uh, Adam Kwapinski. What? <laughs> what are you on, on about? I was singing in the bleak midwinter. Carry yeah. on. Egypt. Yeah, designed by Adam Kwapinski, who I, I can't think of a bad game he's designed. I think he's a, he's as good as it gets right now, for me and my tastes. And yeah, as soon as I saw his name was attached to this, I was like, yep, um, I am in like Flynn. Now, R- R- Ronan's gone in for the peasants version. 
and I've gone in for the the nice version that you probably can't play because it, <laughs> you need to write in on the tiles. But yeah, well, between us, the two of us, will work it out. So they're often like those sun dipped building miniatures. They look amazing. Ah, fifty pound extra. I'm like, well, what do they do? They look amazing. And, and space. But they look amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't do that. I'm, just, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. I'll just take the normal one that is in a smaller box and plays exactly the same and probably has got clearer information. I'm all good. But Frostpunk, yeah, it, it's just it's their pedigree, isn't it? Yeah. They're, they're really good. And it looks good. And it looks fine. And it looks like there might be hard choices to make. And not everyone's going to make it, Sean. Spoiler. Yeah, it might, might not be one for now. Maybe I'm going to have to get my solo playing uh, up up to speed. Get I'm... James playing it. He's got to toughen up sometime. <laughs> Paddy, right. why are they all dead? Why did we eat tiddles? <laughs> That's life, son. That's, just That's the way life. It goes. It's time you knew. You have, but you you love you do love a dinosaur. You just love dinosaurs. I I do love dinosaurs. This is this is true. I also really 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 like Dinosaur Island. Because it's got dinosaurs in it. It has. And I even bought myself a a plastic dinosaur dice tower to go with it. And the dinosaur poos out the dice. Fantastic. Can't get better than that. That is (laughs) rubbish. And slightly unpleasant. Okay. So I'm not happy with that. So, yeah. I adore Dinosaur Island. So Dinosaur World is out. They're coming with a roll and write as well. But I'm not too fussed about that. I'm more interested in Dinosaur World. From from afar, it almost kind of looks like a a uh, not Sim City. What am I thinking of? Suburbia, where you're where you're building up the tiles and you're building up your sort of dinosaur sort of displays, whatever you. And there's like a jeep tour. You Do go you around. Display a dinosaur with a dinosaur. Will it, but would it be okay to display it? You stand there like that. Mm. <laughs> you're displaying in zoos. That's what they're there for. Display things in zoos. Right, a dinosaur attraction. You conserve them. (laughs) Conserving them, Sean. You're not making money. Shut up. Shut up. Can you conserve something that you've just made that was extinct? I don't know, can you? Anyway, and there's like a Jeep tour where you go around and you score points for how many sort of different dinosaurs you get. And it's it's more of the same with a bit extra thrown in, I'm sure. The Kickstarter, as we are talking, has got only a couple of days left and it's made millions. So yeah, I'm 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 on board. I'm 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 fully on board, Ron. I read the D of Dinosaur and when Sean's going to buy that, I don't have to. Click on to the next project. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about it, but sure. I'll, when you get it, I'll play it. No worries. Right. Speaking about that bastard vassal, <laughs> he's taught me into another game, Sean, and not a cheap one either. What's, it, what's he done to your own? Now, I like a superhero game. We all know I like a superhero game. He's been bigging up the Reckoners oh, since day dot. He really has. And Brandon Sanderson's a decent author, and there's a yeah, it's a co-op, and it's supposed to have these amazing, unusual bits to them. I've been sucked in by the bits. Apparently, it's got great dice. I mean, I don't care if it's got great dice, but apparently, it's got great dice. And he's been going about how good it is, and it has been through the roof price-wise over in over here in the UK. So, how have you how have you managed to get around that, Ronan? <laughs> Glad to see the movies, are we? <laughs> Back to it. So, Ronan. <laughs> 
Well, they did a Kickstarter short. It wasn't like MI5. They just kind of kickstarted it. So there's an expansion coming out. So I don't know. That wasn't much of a secret. Um, the expansion is called Steel Slayer. Isn't like the baddie in the record is called... Is he called Steelheart? Steelheart, yeah. Lord Steelheart or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Oh, have you read them, the books? I, I, I vaguely remember reading a, a, a Sanderson book that, that was that, like that is long long time ago so I, I think I have I think I've read one I thought they'd be right up your street yeah hmm anyway so the Reckoner Steel Slayer came out obviously you can get the base game with it throwing the two together was a bare amount more than just the base game would cost over in the UK as we just banged on about I've just sold 300 games there's a few quid hanging around I thought do you know what? This is my real sort of splash out. Usually I'd look at the price of that Kickstarter and be like, no, that's too much. But in this case, I was like, go on. I'll buy the lot and see what happens. So <laughs> I'm pretty excited about my 100 or whatever dollar pledge to get all of that for the Reckoners. And with, with Mythic Battles Ragnarok on the horizon, there'll be another 100 plus dollar pledge. <laughs> oh, la, 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 la. Please don't talk to me now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I had a sniff. I did have a sniff. Now, at the moment, I'm trying to talk myself out of Kickstarters because, as I said, I'm completely brassic. So my way of talking myself out of this one was that it, like, I couldn't see the theme sort of coming through. Like, I'm sure it does, but I couldn't see it. There was no like like miniatures. There was no like maps. It's all done on little player boards where you're assigning dice. Is that right? To various things and trying to build up the powers of your agents to attack to basically topple these these villainous superheroes and um you've kind of got i think you probably call them super villains if they're villainous well true true that's i should i should know that shouldn't i Um, you probably should i probably should so yeah and what what attracted to me was because i've been watching i really feel like um homelander (laughs) i was about to say i'm literally attracted to it they're not terrorists they're called super villains super Super terrorists we're using the term super villain sean Super villains, yes, and I've been watching the boys, and I can't, oh, I might, I might have to buy this, but I kind of just put myself off because I didn't see any, I didn't see the the magic coming off, but I'm sure it does, and I shall definitely be pressing you, Ronan, for for a play of this once it comes in. Please don't press me. You're very you love it when I press you. Imagine a the boys board game then. <sighs> now you're talking. You'd be in. Would Would you play as like one of the six, or would you play as like Billy Butler trying to ring them down? Or? Which way would you rather bring it out? Oh, I think I think I think you'd have more fun playing as one of the six. Oh, well, if I can't play as Mother's Milk, I ain't playing. Man, <laughs> <laughs> with all these rap T-shirts, I'm watching it all the time. What's his rap T-shirt this week? <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm the A Train baby. Um, oh, mate, President of Temporary Wu Tang is forever. Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, time to wrap this bad boy up. Indeed, okay. Ronan, thank you. Very much. No, for, thank for you. You're almost, Sean. almost uh, adhering to the rules list. Uh, I adhered to every single rule you set, <laughs> Mister. Clearly broke the rules. I saved your dice fishing. I'm a nice person. <laughs> and thank you to everybody for listening to our inane ramblings. What is coming up, Sean? You just told me to say what's coming up. Um, we got some reviews. Uh, I am going to review Jaws the Lion for starters. Yes. And yes, Alma Mater, we've both been playing that, and we've been playing Castles of Tuscany. Tuscany, yes, yes. Um, and well, so I don't know. I've got I have to choose. I Ro- Roman Roll will be coming coming in, in that. Oh, yeah, Roman Roll. Yeah. That will be an interesting review. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, we we will we will get together and discuss. We, we, there was a vague idea of doing a, a top ten with our friend Steve Paget as well, so we'll we'll see if we can bring that to fruition. And uh, everything that can fruit around me, I'm happy. I just wouldn't <laughs> nice, nicely done fruitiness. Okay, so thank you, as I said, to everyone for listening, and we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there into the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to download the episodes, just go to wherever you download your episodes, but we're specifically on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. Oh, we're going to be on the new Apple podcast thing. Oh, are we? And, there you go. And uh, Amazon Music is starting to do podcasts. Eventually, they're getting together a stable of podcasts to launch with, and we're part of their launch stable because we're such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope he's getting an Amazon verified tattoo or something we have to get before we're allowed. But yeah, we are part of the. Oh, right, well, there you go. Breaking news and uh, yeah, <laughs> give us give us a review, people. We've still only got five, <laughs> and one of them's mine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as, as I was saying, we are on social media. We've got our Facebook page. We have our Instagram account, and of course, we are most active on Twitter. If you wish to contact us. Uh, our email address is thegamepodcast at gmail.com. And we're also present on Board Game Geek. You can pop along to our guild. Thank you so much for listening, and we shall catch you soon. Music by E. Aaron. The boys. The boys, the six, the boys, the boys, the six, the boys. And the whale.